Hello everyone, Dave Duke here. Welcome back to Revenue Revolutionaries. I'm your host. I'm on a quest to learn from today's best revenue and customer leaders. And today I sit down with Joe Koontz, the CRO over at Jobvite. Joe and I have a great conversation about his path to becoming a CRO. He talks a lot about how he embraces the ideas of coaching and servant leadership to lead his teams. And he also talks about the importance of being results driven to build a, a successful culture. I'm so excited to welcome Joe Koontz, the CRO of Jobvite to Revenue Revolutionaries. Let's go. Hey, Joe, welcome to Revenue Revolutionaries. Really appreciate you being part of the podcast today. Hey, Dave, thanks so much. It's great to reconnect and I'm honored to be a, be a part of it. So thanks so much for having me. Absolutely, really looking forward to this conversation and I can't wait to, to dive into your, your career experience and uh, hoping to extract some words of wisdom here as, as we, we share your story. So uh, let's start at the beginning. You know, talk a little bit about uh, why you, you got into sales in the first place. How, how did you set off on, on this journey? Yeah, I'll try to keep it brief, Dave, but this is one of my favorite parts of my story is, interestingly enough, maybe for some, I did not at all envision myself being a salesperson. And here I sit as CRO of you know, a SaaS company here. Uh, I'd say early in my, you know, early in my career, pre-career college, uh, I honestly had no interest in sales, didn't necessarily have a necessarily even a positive view of what sales was. And uh, qu quick story, I just myself, uh, I thought of myself as being a teacher, a coach, that type of person. And that was the, the career path my father had had. I lost my dad when I was pretty young, about age 16. And, and so you have you kind of grow up in some ways a little quicker than some. Right. And yeah, I remember yeah. having a conversation with him kind of a you know, month before he passed away. And he said, what do you think you want to do? And I told him, you know, teach and coach. And he's like smacking the bed going, don't do that. And I'm like, what? That's what you did. You had a great life. And uh -huh. he's like, no, go make some money first. And you can always come back and do that later. Right. And so mm -hmm. like any good son, I go off to college. I went to Butler. You don't even have to declare a major in a liberal arts school your first year. So I'm undeclared. Sophomore year, you got to declare. So what do I do? I declare for education. And I made it through 45 minutes of one class before I went to drop ad and said, all right, put me in business. And I'll figure <laughs> it out from here. So, but even then, like post-career, I did take a sales class my senior year of college. Kind of got me interested in thinking about more of a consultative sales okay. approach. And that just kind of uh, began to get my wheels turning on there's lots of different types of sales. And I hadn't really been exposed very well to a, a consultative, you know, more helpful type of sales style until I was a couple of years into my career. Okay. So I'd say, you know, beyond that, I, uh, I went to work for a bank for three years right out of college because they were trying to implement a sales culture. And that same gentleman that had taught the class at Butler was putting the sales curriculum in at this bank. And so I did that for a couple of years and, um, I got introduced to a guy named Mark Hill who started Baker Hill and I became the 14th employee and fifth sales rep at Baker Hill, a small startup at the time. And probably the best decision that I've made professionally uh, was, was that move because I got in with a lot of great people and, you know, zero training. It was just, you know, go, Hey, go figure this out and uh, improve things and learn and iterate. And uh, it was just a great entrepreneurial experience for me. Uh, so I just got the opportunity to, you know, try things, fix things, fail miserably at times and yeah. continue to plod forward. A little, a little nudge from dad goes a long way. Uh, 
Well, make, making them proud, no, no doubt. So <laughs> I sure hope so. You spent a lot of time there, Baker Hill, all, all the yeah. way up into a, a president role. As you reflect on that experience, um, what, what were some of the key takeaways as you, as you really started to shape your career path? Yeah, and I, I tell people this a lot, especially in, the, in Indianapolis is a great, you know, technology community, especially for the s- smaller startup scale ups, right? Mm-hmm. And I tell people kind of going into those environments, hey, man, it's a great opportunity, but you can't, you can't always be looking at it as such that, hey, uh, what's, my, what's my promotion or what's my career path? That's right. not always well-defined in a small organization. And so that worked for me because if I saw something that needed to be fixed or improved or whatever, I was generally told, yeah, go try to figure it out, right? Yeah. And so I, it started me down a path that was, I think, um, kind of an aspirational path for me, one of trying to help other people. And so mm-hmm. try to figure some things out and then you grow and you bring some sales reps on and it's like, uh, you know, I want to help this guy or this gal be successful. And so you maybe give them a, a few minutes of time or an hour of time here or there and mm-hmm. try to invest in their future a little bit. And as we grew and, you know, uh, things developed, uh, I got the opportunity to lead the sales function at, at Baker Hill. And so mm-hmm. did that for about five years. We had really good growth, but it's really all about, you know, coaching, serving, challenging, you know, helping other people be successful. And if you do that enough, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're, you, you've got, you know, probably, you know, some leadership in your, in your position, although I don't really believe much in positional leadership. I think leadership is more of a state of mind, but uh, that, that's kind of what got me going down like a leadership or management path was just trying to help and coach and, and uh, you know, help other people be successful. And um, so we did that, did that for five years and we had really good growth and uh, we, we sold that business to a company called Experian, which has just gone public on the London Stock Exchange. And you know, Mark owned the majority of the business, but his wife, Karen, they had started the business. And mm-hmm. so they cashed out and kind of got on to investors uh, mode and some other things. And right. Experian vetted me and asked me to move into the president role. So I ran that okay. business function for a couple of years. Again, great experience uh, as, as you make every experience, you know, what it is. And yeah. I had a great experience kind of getting out of a sales leadership and have my own senior leadership team. And, uh, you know, being part of a public company, you learn that it's not all top line driven, that bottom line is pretty darn important too. So that was great, mm-hmm. great experience for me. But uh, I'd say my second best career move that I made was then going to Exact Target. And so uh, I had this great, you know, position and president of a technology company uh, in Carmel and yeah. part of a bigger company. And I made the decision to resign. And uh, I'd say everybody outside my wife thought I was literally losing my mind. And, um, <laughs> my wife probably thought that, but she faked it because she didn't have yeah. a better answer. And so she was highly supportive. But I just uh, I felt a need to be back in a high growth, top line driven organization. And I, again, blessed and fortunate to meet Scott Dorsey and, and get the opportunity to join Exact Target. I want to uh, I want to touch on coaching um, just just a little bit more here and then come back to exact target. So, you know, as you started your career there, there's definitely, it sounds like an interest in, in coaching and it's, it's, I've always appreciated this as well. There's so many parallels between sports and, and business and, and coaching is, is front and center there. What is it about uh, business that, that uh, you kind of sur- scratches that itch, if you will, from, from a coaching standpoint uh, and a yeah. leadership standpoint? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's one, honestly, that, um, I didn't have enough self-awareness around it until I was maybe a few years into my career when I got in, you know, into more into tech sales. But you know, I think what I found out about myself was that I've always been involved. I'd been involved in sports, you know, my whole life. And um, 
unfortunately, I, you know, I, I probably put more of my mind share into that than I even did my academics in my early, early days in high school. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I took so much from sports. I just learned so much about myself and other people and leadership, good, bad, and everything in between. And, and there's just, it's just a natural parallel. And yeah. for me, you know, what I found about myself was I'm highly competitive. And, and so that translates generally pretty well into business and, and sales in particular as well. So it, it is kind of cliche-ish for sure, but there is uh, there are some just real easy natural parallels. There are. And if you're going to get into some of the day-to-day the -day, um, opportunities from a leadership standpoint relative to coaching, how do you think about coaching coaching a, a team or, or um, teammates? Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's so, um, I think it's so important. And listen, I'm, I'm still learning. So sure. yeah. I, I've probably done a hundred things wrong already today on this topic. Right? <laughs> um, but, but uh, when I talk about being competitive, part of that's being competitive with yourself and just striving mm -hmm. to continually improve and learn. And so I think um, for me, when, when I do it well, or when I see someone else do it well, it's generally a healthy dose of keeping the other person's perspective in mind. Where mm. are they? Yeah. What do they know? What have their life experiences been? What, you know, they're in this deal, for example. Yeah. And, um, you know, what, what have they encountered that have kind of led them to where they are? And uh, I firmly believe that, and I think this goes well with coaching, that the power is not in the statement, but the power is in the question. Mm. So when I do it well, I think I ask good questions. Um, we all work, you know, we're all fortunate to work with a lot of smart people and uh, people don't want to be told what to do. And I don't think I have all the answers, but I think if I ask enough good questions, I'll help my team. Yeah, just kind of you know, creating that that uh, that dynamic where you you challenge people to really reflect on why they're doing what they're doing or or how best to make a decision. Uh, that's really powerful. That, that's great. Let's go back to exact target. Yeah, so sure. you um, you use the phrase high growth. It uh, had had the fortunate opportunity to to yeah. see what high growth looks like firsthand. As you reflect on that experience. Um, what are some of the key takeaways for you? It's, it's unique in so many ways. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, high growth sales environment is, is really unique and not everybody gets that opportunity. Uh, and it was high growth for a while. So yeah, what, what did you take away? Yeah, from like you, I had the opportunity to meet you and a lot of other great people there. And um, you know, I always start with the people. I mean, there, there was just like, you know, again, Baker Hill, the exact target, you know, virtually every career decision I've made, the first thing I look at is the people, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you can assess right, you can assess wrong. I generally have been very fortunate to assess right, you know, for the most part, um, just being around high quality, high character, integrity filled people that you like, trust and respect. That's a really good foundation, right? That gives you a chance to be successful. And we had that at Baker Hill. We certainly had that exact target. You and I were exposed to a lot of great leadership, right? So I mentioned Scott Dorsey. He was the first one I met, got introduced to, and, um, you know, I had the, you know, great, great honor of getting to work for Andy Kofoit, who's a great, great boss, um, and, uh, you know, exposure to, you know, Tim Kopp and just a lot of really bright people. And uh, for me, uh, a lot of great experiences there, but uh, so many positive, you know, role models and examples that we got to work with there. And I think the biggest thing I think about with Exact Target was 
you know, Scott did a great job and kind of filtered throughout the organization of, you know, don't place limits on yourself. Right. It was like, let's, we're not, we're not trying to, you know, we're not trying to hit a single or a double here. We're trying to knock it out of the park every day. And, um, you know, I think just it would, there was the, the situation's got to be right for that. Right. You got to have the right product, right market, all that. And all that was true. But uh, I thought Scott did a great job of building a culture, mm-hmm. but that culture was one that was also going to be very aggressive, right? Mm-hmm. That we're just not trying to just get by or win a little bit, uh, just very aggressive goal setting. And uh, I, you know, learned a lot from that, and and uh, you know, it makes it makes it really fun, especially when you hit those goals. Awesome, and it, it, there's a there's a nice progression that happening there throughout your career, where uh, you kind of cut your teeth in many ways at, at Baker Hill, and then. Uh, but you know, see what success looks like. And then there's this next environment, which is high growth intense. Uh, and in, in your words, I, I love this. It's like, we're going to, we're going to go do this. We're going to go um, put a, put a stake in the ground, make a big impact uh, really across the globe is how it, how it, uh, yeah. how it yeah, shapes right. up, yeah. but that doesn't happen unless people come together, kind of unite uh, around the, the, the mission and, and then grind it out every single day. Yeah. Um, if you kind of reflect on the, the day-to-day there, what, um, what, what did it take to really drive the team to, to um, you know, accomplish greatness in many ways and, and hit those, those sales uh, goals yeah. that, that were, uh, were lofty? Yeah, I'll say a couple things here. One, again, you know, my Baker Hill experience was certainly growth oriented and so forth. We sold into a very specific vertical. We sold into yeah. the banking vertical, right? And so the difference, taking what I learned at, at Baker Hill and applying that at Exact Target, which made it really fun, was two things. One, the market. So mm-hmm. as you know, we sold in a very horizontal market. We could sell to virtually any industry. Some were better than others. But yeah. and then the scale. You know, the mm-hmm. scale of the the company and the the growth objectives, being more venture capital backed, which had more fuel, you know, to the to the rocket ship, was all good stuff, right? So that was that were two primary differences. But I think. You know, again, we all, all of us, have, you know, had an opportunity to be at Exact Target. Generally, talk about the culture. It was a really mm-hmm. strong culture and a good culture. It wasn't perfect, but yeah. there was, you know, a lot of greatness to it. And so, you know, when when building that team, um, you know, you go through the interview process and you always get, you know, questions about the culture. Mm-hmm. And I answered the question a little bit differently, maybe than some others would. Right. Because I think there was a lot of great things about our culture, but I think some people viewed the exact target culture as, hey, we're orange, it's fun, you know, there's a lot of social events and all that. And for me, that was part of the exact target culture. But part of the other exact target culture, specifically in the sales function, was it's results oriented. It's there's a scoreboard. Like right. we're here to win and we got to produce results. That other stuff doesn't happen, or the other departments can go partake in that. Right. But, you know, if it's the last couple of weeks of the quarter, you know, you were there, uh, there are people yeah. in the office at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. Right. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's so I, I would just use the word grit. Right. Grit. We had a great strategy. We had really strong people. We did a lot of things well, but uh, not all days are easy and you got to have the grit to persevere. And uh, we had a lot of really gritty, talented people. Yeah, and it kind of speaks for me to this this um, need to set high standards, you know. And there there are expectations of of accomplishing big things. Um, yeah, that's right. But you got to you got to, especially in the sales team, kind of right. create that 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 
team culture as yeah, well. And what works to get you your first 10 million in ARR isn't the right. same to get you to 50 and certainly isn't the same to get you to 100 or 400 in, in the exact target case. So you yeah. got to keep evolving and, you know, uh, different talents, you know, are, are more appropriate at different life cycles and uh, that sort of thing. I think all great learnings. Awesome. Well, um, there's been a few roles after Exact Target, and I know you've been in the, the CRO role now um, a couple times over. Yeah. Yep. What What does it mean to you to be a CRO um, in, in 2020? Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, for me, I, I, someone asked me recently, I won't share who, but someone asked me, uh, you know, what, what do I have to do to be a CRO? And I was like, go to law school, because CRO, you got to finish first. In sales, you got to finish first. Second doesn't pay. Lawyers yeah. get paid, you know, regardless of who wins, right? So go make make your life easier. Go be a lawyer. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm I'm half joking there, but on a serious note, I think um, it is like a lot of leadership roles. There's a lot to it. There's you know a pretty comprehensive set of things that you need to be pretty well versed at. And um, I've got a whole bunch of weaknesses, and I try to surround myself with people that uh, shore that up for me. But mm -hmm. I think it's really important to have some balance. I think if you think about your role, number one, I, I'm a believer in uh, kind of the first team type mentality. And so mm -hmm. my first team is my senior leadership team that I'm a part of at Jobvite. And I think it's really important that we have great alignment amongst ourselves and with our board. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's an important part of being a senior leader is making sure that you represent your function well, mm -hmm. but you're part of that, you know, set, setting a strategy and, and, and uh, you know, setting a good example and, and, and you know, making sure that we've got a foundation by which this thing can can grow. So I think that's kind of first and foremost that you have yeah. to have that kind of a balance that you can switch on and off a little bit of, Hey, this is, you know, I'm, I'm doing, I got to do what's best, the best company interest here. Yeah. It may not be the best interest of sales or, you know, whatever. So I think that's concept you, number one. Okay. Excellent. So how do you think about driving alignment with, with the board and with, with the C-suite? Yeah. The easier said than done at times, but, um, I'm not smart enough to be anything other than really direct and transparent. So I just think it's, you just get to the end result a lot quicker. So I try to be really direct and really transparent with my coworkers and, you know, those on the senior leadership team and the same with the board, honestly. I mean, you know, honestly, we all encounter people sometimes that, you know, they want, they, they want us to, whether it's a customer and maybe it's a board member that they'd really like to us to tell them what they want to hear. Yeah. And uh, I think my job as a sales leader and a CRO is to be really direct and really transparent of, hey, this is what's going well. This is what we're doing well. This is where we're really challenged. We're not doing a great job in this area. And I just think um, I just think it's key. I, I think it, it sets the right tone. And, um, you know, in, in terms of building a culture, we want to have a really direct and transparent culture. And it starts with driving alignment with SLT and the board. And it's really the only way to get help and, and to work collectively to, to solve problems, is it not? Yeah, yeah. I Honestly, I just recently had a conversation where, you know, we had a maybe lack of alignment. Uh, it's pretty mild. But, you know, when I had to reflect and say, hey, I wasn't direct enough or I, I wasn't maybe vocal enough about this problem in our business. Yeah. And um so that's on me, right? I got to go back and fix that and make sure that I work with my teammates to make sure that we get this issue prioritized. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
in your role, you got oversee new business and existing business. Is that safe to um, say? Yeah, right now I'm overseeing new business. And so we, we do, we have a similar model to what you and I were a part of mm-hmm. uh, previously, but um, I've got a great, uh, great counterpart that has uh, 20 years of industry experience and uh, has kind of an operational role, but we have him working directly with our customers as well. So I'm, we're kind of dividing and conquering at this okay. point. Very good. What, what is, uh, what's selling mean to you in, in 2020? I, I, I know it's been an evolving discipline over yeah. well, since, since the beginning of business, Yeah. Uh, but it's definitely uh, kind of morphed o- over, uh, it feels like the, the last several years, uh, maybe, maybe 20. Yeah, I, don't know. Yeah, I agree. But, I agree. Um, how do you, how do you, um, how do you think about it today? Uh, if, as you, as you build your team, as you en- enable your, your, your sales team? Yeah, I think it's, um, I would say, uh, relative to most other sales oriented people, mm-hmm. I've always considered myself to be much more process oriented and probably slightly more data oriented okay. than most. Okay. okay. Now, not relative to a CFO or a COO or something like that, but just relative to sales oriented people. I do believe process and being able to, you know, um, have a methodical, you know, kind of predictable way to get from A to Z mm-hmm. is an important thing. Mm-hmm. It's always been, I feel like that's always been true. I think most buyers, and this was true 20 years ago, and it's still true today. Um, we spend a lot of time as sales professionals or customer oriented people trying to hone our craft. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times buyers are not all that well-versed in what they're buying. I oftentimes tell my maybe, you know, less experienced salespeople, if you've sold one or two deals, you might have sold one or two more deals than your buyer has ever bought. (laughs) In SaaS, you know, most people aren't replacing systems year in, year out. And um, and so um, I kind of make a point of saying, hey, let's make sure that we're setting up our enablement, our Mm -hmm. processes you know, the way we do things. So there's no mutual mystification, right? If they don't know how to get there and you can't help them get there, right? it's going to be a pretty uh, frustrating experience, right? And so I think that's always been true. I think the thing I've seen over the last couple of years is just, you know, as, as everything in our world advances and matures mm-hmm. and certainly mm-hmm. access to information, mm-hmm. you know, via the web has increased. Uh, I think people want to spend even less time than ever with salespeople. Right. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. this I've always believed in discovery. A lot of people just don't want to give you the time to, to dig in and they want yeah. to be told, you know, here's what we do. Here's how we can help. And, you know, you got to drive that value, obviously, to get the right outcomes for them. And so um, that's that's become a bigger challenge. And so, um, you know, we haven't quite cracked that code, but I think there's you know, there's a lot out there. A lot of people I follow and believe in that. So you got to lead lead with you know your your points of view to kind of get them engaged in that conversation right, right. and kind of earn the right to maybe dig into their business. Whereas before, many years ago, I think people were a little more apt to tell you about their business, mm-hmm. and I think they can do so much research online now that you know they want to get to it you know pretty quickly. Yeah, it's that explosion of content and the 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 purpose that it serves, and you know just the the access to to that information has changed changed the game in, in many yeah. ways. But to your point, just a few minutes ago was, um, and I think it's a really important one. You can't assume that the buyers know what know what they're looking for. Uh, they they should be able to tell you the problems that they're trying to solve, but. Uh, uh, you really do have to, to to guide, and I think it actually comes back to coaching in many ways. If you can yeah, embrace 
embrace that in the sales process, there's, there's an opportunity to quickly show value. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, a lot of times I think old school people think sales all about relationships, you know, and, and relationships are important, right? And sure, you sure. can't have good relationships without trust. So they got to trust you before you, but I'm amazed. I mean, it is really, it's an, ex, it's kind of a rare exception that, you know, I see buyers that really have a good handle on here are my stakeholders. Mm-hmm. Here's how I need to do things. Here's the path I'm going to take to get to the decision. Yeah. Um, it's generally pretty muddled, unfortunately. And so you do need to build enough, have enough credibility, build enough trust and relationship to begin to ask some questions. Hey, can we have some dialogue around this? Let's explore this a little bit. I do have some experiences from outside that might be beneficial to you here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's an important piece of it. Yeah, absolutely. We shift gears a little bit. We've, we've touched on it uh, loosely, but into some more leadership. Uh, a couple topics there. Uh, in your role, you're you're building you know building your team. How do you think about uh, leadership at the highest level? What what does it mean to you? Well, I, I'm I'm probably a broken record here, but I'll I'll say servant leadership. You know, mm-hmm. is really important, and I, it's a it's a buzzword. I realize overused. But- okay. It's aspirationally, good <laughs> that's what I've always wanted to be, right? And I yeah, maybe had yeah. a couple of good days here and there and a whole bunch of failures along the way. But uh, uh, I want to I help other people. And I, I truly believe in life and certainly in sales. If, if you help enough people get what they want and be successful, and uh, you're going you're gonna to do some good along the way, right? You're going to help, help your customers get the outcomes they want, which I know you guys do a great job of, of uh, you know, helping down that path. But uh, individuals as well. Hey, we're here to help people grow and help people get what they want and um, help our company grow as well. So it's just, I just really believe, you know, now serving has a lot of facets to it, right? So serving is, you know, uh, are we enabling them? Are we knocking down barriers? Are we providing them the things that they need to be successful? I'm talking about our teammates. And then also there's certainly the coaching and challenging part. So kind of balancing that. Uh, that's what I mean by serving, serving their best interest, not what's easiest, right? Not what's the path of least resistance. That's not going to get us to where we ultimately want to be. Back to being direct and transparent uh, with, with your team members, with, with their best interests at heart. That's what I, I take away yeah. from that and, and helping people get better at, at what they're doing. Awesome. Well, this, um, this pandemic has, has challenged leaders in, in so many ways. And I've been talking to, to other guests about that because I, I think it's such an opportunity to, to improve as leaders. But yeah. as you reflect on the past several months in this kind of curveball that, that's been thrown right. into the mix, what have you taken away from it? Um, has it? Has it challenged you in, in any oh, specific yeah. way? And have you grown in any specific way? Yeah, I, I would say this. I kind of, I'll chalk up, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll expose a little bit here um, because I think I've had to relearn something here, unfortunately, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so just my personal situation, my wife, Amy, and I have three almost grown sons. Yeah, uh, We have a 25-year-old that's uh, CPA and, you know, off and off payroll and married and all that good stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, we have a senior in college and a sophomore in college as well. So the college guys came home obvious for obvious reasons during the pandemic and we got into our rhythm. Right. And I'm just locked down in my office for 10 or 12 hours a day versus on planes or whatever. Yeah. I got into a kind of a rhythm and just was, you know, kind of grinding it out like a lot of people. And mm-hmm. um, I lost sight of something. I lost sight of, um, you know, some of my team members are just in a different place. 
than I am, right? In terms of their family life and personal life or whatever. And I inherently knew that, but I, I just lost sight of it. And so as I was reaching out to people and talking more, um, unfortunately, it took me longer than I would have cared to admit uh, for this next point to commit uh, to, to memory, which was um, you know, people with young children that are trying to work and homeschool and all that. It was their pressure was significantly greater than mine. And um, I just I kind of lost sight of that. And fortunately, it didn't, you know, cost me any significant relationships or anything like that. But, um, you know, just always keeping in mind, you know, the, the path that the other people are walking on, whether it's a customer or a team member and yeah. kind of keeping top of mind, what is their perspective? Where are they in their journey? Yeah. And uh, I just became much more empathetic, you know, to because I was in a little bit different stage of life. I just uh, after I talked to a few team members, it really hit me in the face of, man, their, their challenge is significantly greater than mine. Well, th thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's kind of one of the unintended consequences, I suppose, of, of being able to, um, go through those learning exercises to, to improve. And I, my hope is that we all come out stronger. Um, but you know, everything, you gotta kind of put yourself in other people's shoes and that's such a great great takeaway such a great lesson because it applies <laughs> to life well, i'm embarrassed that it, I, i've had to relearn it right because well, it's a it, pretty it basic happens. lesson but uh yeah. it, it, i had to apply it into the current uh situation we're in yeah well and i i can relate to that because you get into um you just kind of get into your world and your routine yeah. just like you said and not everybody has the same so thanks for sharing that yeah um, no worries thanks for asking yeah, one more for you. And I like to round up every conversation with this question. If you could sit down with anybody for a cup of coffee, who would it be and why? Uh, there's a, that's a tough one in that there's a lot. I'm sure you've had a lot of great answers. Mine will, mine will probably be uh, pretty generic. I mentioned my dad yeah. at the beginning of our conversation. So I lost my dad pretty young. I was 16 at the time and I wouldn't trade those 16 years with uh, for a lifetime with anybody else. And like a lot of people, uh, you know, certainly uh, my number one hero, my mom as well. But uh, um, you know, it's been it's been a lot of years now, and um, I would love for uh, him to get to experience you know part of my life as it is today, and to meet my children. And so I'd have them at the coffee as well. So I'd have to say my dad and my mom, and I'd throw in my uh, my wife and children as well. So That's perfect. bring my bring my two worlds together a little. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Well, Joe, it's been a blast catching up here. Thank you for sitting down with me. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, Dave, I really appreciate the opportunity. It's an honor to be with you. And uh, I just, uh, I'm real excited about what you and MetaCX are doing. And I just I really believe that you guys are onto something and and I look forward to uh, seeing nothing but success from you and the team. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Take care. Thanks, Take care. Peace. So much fun to catch up with Joe. He's just a tremendous leader and I, I love his insights around coaching and uh, empathy and, and just putting yourself in, in other people's shoes. Just a tremendous uh, uh, experience there to, to get a reflect with a, a really successful uh, CRL. Thank you for joining me today for this episode of Revenue Revolutionaries. I hope to see you next time. This has been a MetaCX production.